This episode contains adult language, mature situations, prehistoric insects, messianic illusions, advanced ceramic technology, god warriors, pacifistic opinionated princesses, and political discord. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 62. Miyazaki's best, arguably. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Spirekin Movie Review, the podcast where we talk about movies, the actors, the characters, the cinematography, and if the film is worth watching or not. You can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spirekin.com. You can email us at gmail.com. All the information is in our show notes for any other contact information, including our phone, 206-250-8462, and all the co-hosts you can email individually in our Twitter accounts. Um, I am your host, Zan, and... I am sobering up Baz. I am Rufus through the window. I am the new guy with a huge headache. Yes, uh, fortunately, yes. Yes, we decided to kind of cheat with this, because this is the third installment of the month of Totoro's Tanuki's and Tenacious Children, but I figured it'd be easier for us to just do it all recording one night. So we recorded this one and the next one same day. Kind of cool. But we're releasing this so you get a little bit of a feel about how what's going on. Anyway, more importantly, this film that we're reviewing in this episode is one which is arguably one of the best animes of all time, and arguably Miyazaki's best film, even though it's his first official film, unlike our last episode where we talked about uh, Lupin the Third, which was his first not really where they just kind of science him. This was his own work, because it was based on his... Anyway, so we're getting a little heavy, so let's just spoil it right ahead. This was based on his his groundbreaking novel, which came out way back in the day. It came out in 1984, and um, obviously he directed it, it was produced technically with Studio Ghibli, not, actually no, it was Top Studio Topcraft, 
Monster Jubilee came out in 1984 and 116 minutes released in the United States three different times and the first time was a horrible travesty known as Warriors of the Wind mm-hmm. then the film is and this film has won several awards including the Armitage Anime Grand Prix Prize of 1984 which is a big deal wow I just realized something what? after sobering up we are the quietest group in the world no it's not that it's not that it's that we're all tired and we're hungover <laughs> Dude, we've been, I am not we've hungover Irish do not well, get hungover well, I am hungover and I gotta work tomorrow so I'm just really you're tired more than hungover but anyway anyway let's let us get on with this as we are talking about well of course one of the um, Miyazaki's best first film which is Kaze no Tane no Nazuka or as we know it in English Nazuka of the Valley of the Wind or I don't know it's got obviously it has if you see any other Miyazaki films just lots of underlying messages and it. it's very a developed film it's not one of these typical alright I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to you know I walk turn my brain off and well you can you can try to but there's so many little things you pick out all the little just looking at the detail of the art, and it came out in 1984. And, and the fact that, yeah, it was at a time where it's not the kind of, like you said, it was messages that he's trying to send out, and it's not like boring, corny messages. It's actually subliminal into it where you're like, you know what, wow, you yeah, really got to think about what's going on. It's, it's one of those things you honestly expect, like, Elmo to pop out and go, message of the day. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it, it has a very good message, even today, that people can relate to. It's, it's, and it's unlike with his later films. Like we said with Lupin, this movie has it does not pull its punches at all. No, it doesn't. I mean, a lot of a lot of characters in this actually, a lot of characters in this do die, and some in very vicious ways, and some it's in ways which you're like, that's a really fucked up way to do a coup. Hell, even not with the dying. I mean, one of the characters flat out says, you know, when I get married, my husband is going to be shocked by what my body appears like. Without ever showing a body, you can understand and relate to them. You know, it's, oh, I got scars. Everybody got well, scars. But yes, man. and it's this was his written after he started working on the the, the graphic novel, the manga, but he never was able to finish. He was halfway through it when they said, "We're going to give you, let you make the movie of this," and he has had to stop working on it to work on this, and he released one once every like month. It took him a while to build to make this movie, but he has to actually put at the end of each new chapter, "Hey guys, it's me. I'm sorry, I haven't released a new." issued. I'm just working on the movie. Please forgive me. And drawing a picture of himself bowing down to his audience because it's a hate mail saying, we want to do episode because it's a very involved and a very intricate world he's created in this universe. And unfortunately, the sad thing is that he wasn't finished with the story, so he had to kind of make his own ending for this. And he only was able to cover the first part because later on it even gets more interesting when you introduce some of the other kingdoms. This only covers the main, the particular kingdom, and then two other kingdoms involved in a sort of weird. That's the unfortunate part that people are so busy to say what's going to happen, they don't give a person a chance to try and actually say, "Listen, let me explain what happens." No, they want to rush to see the story so badly, and then he's apologizing for no apparent reason. He has nothing, no reason to apologize, and quite frankly, he should have just taken his time and said, "Look, this is what's going on. This is what's happening." But it's remember, polite society, they have to take time. You also got to think of like Doom. Because Doom didn't come out too much later. We don't talk. Well, that, that's you Frank Herbert's re- re- redundant. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, you never got a chance to put the effort into it because the books are so much different than the movies. Yes, but you I don't know, think anyone want to see like 60 pages of, or 60 minutes of just dialogue about how is the proper etiquette to oh, assassinate no, 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 someone no, no, else no, 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 from I'm a different like house. I'm just saying, you know, no, I know where you're going. The artists their credit, give them time to finish their work before you get I agree. Also, there's probably there's a video game. I'm intrigued. I would like to be, I'd be actually intrigued. That's something I didn't know. But um, 
So, anyway, before we get into some of the other parts of the art and everything, the basic plot of this is it takes place a thousand years after what they call the Seven Days of Fire, which was a, a, a apocalyptic world which pretty much destroyed Earth's ecosystem to, to shit. And now you have a, a couple of kingdoms here and there, but it's separated by what's called the Sea of Corruption or Sea of Decay, or in this movie they called it the the Toxic Jungle, which is essentially just this forest filled with um, giant insects and uh, atmosphere, which if you did not wear a gas mask for... You basically were poisoned and died. Don't forget Within the five minutes, was it? Yeah, five minutes of breathing. Basically, it's... If you want to be technical, it's actually located on the Baltic Sea, so this is actually in the Eastern Europe. Now, now how many kingdoms were there? So. Actually, there's several. According to the I manga, there was twelve total. No, 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 no. no. There's more than that. Yeah. If we look at the manga, and I'm gonna just do the technical difficulties. No, 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 no. No, we're good. Okay, we have essentially only four actual kingdoms, which they actually reference. You have the Valley of the Wind, which is a particular country. Yes. You have Pajite, you have Tolmechia, Dorak, and then you have the Forest People. All right, this yes, beginning sound like there, freaking the last there was era. More, wasn't there like sub kingdoms or lesser kingdoms? Like uh, no, actually, like because the Valley of the Wind is actually a subset of a different kingdom altogether. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. In because they're actually a dukedom; they're not a they're not mm. a kingdom. They're a dukedom, which makes a lot more sense. But that joke, okay? Yeah, so it's uh, supposed to be more. If I remember correctly. Kingdoms divided among uh, provinces. Yeah, yeah, they're kingdoms divided by provinces, and the thing is that the Valley of the Wind. Is known for the fact that they are not a, they're not an angry nation. They're not an evil nation. They live day by day. They're a very peaceful nation. In the fact that they live in an area where they're bordered by a sea, which is known as the Acid Sea, because you walk in and you're gonna fucking fry. Yeah, what do I? But it's it's in a location where none of the sea of, the sea of uh, corruption will the toxic jungle will affect them. So they are essentially, as long as they're vigilant, they are living peaceful lives, and they're not. Evil people. They're not mean people. They're very, not hippie-ish, but they're like so they're docile. What about, what about the Amish? So no, 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 no. no, no. no. They, they're they're just, just docile people. They don't believe in war and things like that because they don't have a need to. Oh, the Mennonites. No, yeah. no, no. But no, they, no, no, they, no. They, they, That's a good example. No, but the fact is that they, they may be like, yeah, we don't believe in war. They have weapons. They're, they're passives, but they have weapons to defend themselves. The only problem is that compared to the other nations, it's not enough. Because the whole yeah, it's more primitive than what they would have. Had. Yeah, because what happens is that there's there one night after um, one of their famous warriors, uh, Lord Yupa, shows up to say what's going on in the world. A huge plane crashes from the Tomekian army, which is covered by Oma, Oma, and also containing a hostage from the Pejite um, kingdom and a weird package. From there on, shit goes to hell. That's what you get for transporting drugs. I want to dance. Well, I think I. Well, mm, I don't know, dude. We're talking toxicity <laughs> in the environment. I wouldn't be surprised if they were transporting acid. I uh, uh, one thing I, I wish we saw more of was just the uh, the expansion and diversification of what you already saw in the movie. I, w I would like to see this this entire film revisited at some point. Not not necessarily the same story or the same kind of uh, direct approach they took in this film, but just maybe a little glance or a different story or sideline or something along the lines. Well, it kind of sounded like, kind of like something like Har what they did with Harlock Saga and then they had another one. Well, after that, it was like, like same universe yeah. but different. Yeah. 
I'll take them. Exactly. I, I wouldn't even need to see any of the characters or plot motives revisited. Just I did really find the world itself very interesting. You know, it's of a very interesting nature, and also the political climate, because each of the char each of the characters, unlike with some of the other, like the Count of Cagliostro, was a villain. He was a horrible person who wanted it just for himself. Now the other characters in this movie, all of them, they're not evil per se. Each one has their own reason for doing what they're doing, and in their mind, they are, you know, they're the hero in their story. I mean, the lady uh, Kashana. Her whole motivation is the fact that the, the Omu, the bugs, the insects of the toxic jungle have killed her people, they've injured her severely, and it's essentially, okay, they're going to get us, so fuck them. Yeah, we, it's a vengeance kind of thing. It's essentially, everybody has a common enemy. They're just all fighting each other, and that enemy is going to unite. But that's their their opinion of it. They, wanna, they just want to fight it. Meanwhile, the Pegites, they are fighting the Tolmecians for the Tolmec... Tomekians want to rule everything. They want to be the well. The, the Tomekians are more like the Spartans. They're, it's not really they want to rule everything. They're just a, a warrior race. You know that's how they are. Yeah, but them kidnapping the princess and then letting her die—that's. But they did if you pay, if you pay attention to that and the manga, for those of you who do have it, she kept it calm because it is a warrior. It is a beast. No, no, no. I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about. Well, I'm talking about the Temekians. That's why they kidnapped her. She was a bargaining chip. She kept them calm. She kept the beast calm because the beast was found where? The judge. That's where they originated from. I, 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 the William Wallace of anime. No, I, I agree. I, I see your point. But it's just, and you have just all these different factions. It's not just a simple good guys, bad guys. This is okay. You have to think about okay, why, why they? It shows why they're doing this, and also. The only thing is that our protagonist, she is understanding of this, but she kind of, she's an anti-hero. I'd, I'd say that there is an era of moral ambiguity to this entire film, and the main character is very naive in her young age. That's probably yeah, she's, she's, she's naive, she just tries to, she, she thinks that she, that everyone should be in, at peace, and she tries it, and that, it, in the end it does work for her, but in the past she takes this horrible, I mean, the fact is that when the Tomekins first show up, the first thing they do is they siege the castle, <laughs> and her father, who is bedridden, they proceed to just kill him. They don't say, "Oh, you're just going to have no." They just wasn't wasn't their reasoning to just unify the kingdoms. Yeah, that's what they that that's the whole concept. No negotiation, no Essentially, you have to look at it, and I know this is a very bad reference to it. I'm going to get flamed for it, but it, you got to think of it like World War II without the Axis or Allied powers because essentially what they were doing is both sides wanted to unite everything under one banner. But you have to understand, there are going to be people who aren't going to agree. There are going to be people who don't want to do that. That's what essentially happened. They understood that with a leader, there was a possibility of a faction developing. So they took him out early. But the fact is, but the fact in is that it was a bedridden, it was a bedridden old man that and there was a piece of what they did mm -hmm. was right or wrong. That's how they see it. Unfortunately, you still yeah. be a person that can lead their kingdom. Unfortunately, with the unification of logic, you have to eliminate the one leader so that way one can totally dominate everything else. Yeah, yeah. But then unite by force. But then you have some them. of the other characters who, like, for example, you have um, the lady Krishna's uh, assistant, who I can never remember his name. Who he was just like he was like a. We'll just call him Weasel because that's what she called him. Yeah, yeah he was a we he was essentially a weasel who just like he was a, he was a smart man in the army, 
And he just kind of like at first like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm just a soldier. I'm not doing anything. But once she left, he started to get the idea like, wait, I'm in charge now. Things could kind of work in my favor. And then, oh crap, she's back. I, oh, sorry. No, no, he didn't even say that. He just simply said that was a short-lived dream I've ever had. <laughs> I have to say that that was very poetic to just end his reign of terror. He didn't even have a reign of terror. terror. He knew exactly what he was doing. He never once abused his power. He was going to try and make people over. You could see him setting it off. It just didn't work out. He didn't have enough time to do it. No. It's exactly like I said. And they use this quote in Starship Trooper. You are in this <coughs> position until you until we find someone better or you die. He understood that and he took the advantage. True. He never abuses power. He's a weasel. He knows that if I push, they're going to push back. I'm not strong enough to defend myself. Yes, when they when they and then when they finally had it and they revolted, he was like just he was trying, but he was failing. Then she yeah. had to she had uh late making voice by with Thurman manned up and was like, I'm a like she's like, she's the man. Anyway, the ki- there's so many characters to cover. We can't even do them all justice because this film is just—it's <sighs> a phenomenal film. It is, it is his best standalone. I still think it's it, overall, but it just—I mean, for a 1984 but, movie, it is done phenomenally. For the it, record, it's it's, it does not feel like a 1984 movie. It seems like it was made yesterday, and I'm going to the theaters today and seeing. Yes, yeah, very timeless. That, but still, because I've seen so many of his other works and so many other things, I am biased to it, and I will admit that I feel it's his best thing. Because my top four is not in, it's my top ten, but not my top four. And I only recently. I would say graphically, I'd say graphically wise, even though it was made in '84, which was, like everybody said, and I agree with it, it was made beautifully. It seems like the kind of texture and dexterity behind the movie, it would look like something out of 1990s as opposed to 84. For early work, in the 90s, I would see the graphics in that sense. Because no, the way they're doing the graphics of the, today, with the whole CGI deal. It, graphically, I would put it on par, and I know many of you fans will agree with this, to some of the early Devil Man. You're comparing it to a go to guy? No, no, no. Let me hear, let me hear your logic in this. Some I think his, I know where he's going with this. Some of his earlier work, comparison-wise for the 80s, was phenomenal, way above its time. You talking about Gonna Guy? Yeah, exactly. Gonna Guy. Okay, no, well, that, he was 60s. <laughs> That's still. Not 80s. <laughs> but still, it was way before its time. I agree. It was I just agree. because of the hand drawing was more advanced. Oh, than so you, okay, so you're talking about the fact it's more advanced. Okay. Yeah. It's a graphical standpoint as opposed so to, like, you can uh, understand that's it what you're Because in the 80s, not a lot of people took the time and effort to put that that detail. I, I disagree because the 80s was a time when anime at the point you had experimental you had experimental films you had things yes. like Robot Carnival you had things like but, Angel's Egg which is a film yeah, which was a lot of which would never made, which would never be made today okay. but you also have to understand that a lot of things did not have that texture he took things to the next level he always did that's his thing this was his brainchild it was his first one and as he progressively went through, he added more textures, more details, and he just got better and better as he progressed. Same concept. Okay, as far as you were saying, like in the 80s, as far as anime is concerned, the only problems that there were was the fact that everything through American standards had to be filtered and screened. So like when you talk about American, like Japanese anime, back in the 80s when I was growing up, you were talking about the main, and this is not to insult any anime fan out there, 
but anybody that's around my age would know that the main animes that were out there from memorable times, 70s, 80s, popular by American standards, would be Battle of the Planets, aka G Force, Transformers. No. Uh, hold on. You, you I'm gonna go. What do you want me to say? Gobots? No, you gotta remember the, the big two. You forgot the big two. Hold on, hold okay. on, hold on. If I can remember, GI Joe. Not not anime. Not a really Japanese. Was cartoon. That's cartoon. It was cartoonish, but they altered it in a sense to where it was shipped out to Japan and re-edited that kind of shit like that. Battle Plants is gonna be Star Blazers. It's gonna be um. It's gonna be Speed Racer, Robotech. Speed Racer being yeah. Um, hell, even want to go Gigantor. Uh, which was like not that, really that's 50s that's, yeah, that's, that's, 50s. Right. that's Astro Boy and Speed Racer level that's, yeah. but right speaking that of which but remember too the context of it being Americanized and there were certain people like oh, okay I think people will buy into this or buy into this anime was truly not introduced until the late like the mid late 80s early 90s and then it really pushed hard well, to what the standards as, are today well officially as anime was in the 90s yes but originally this was released actually over here in the United States back in well, in 1980, it was released on HBO under a new title, which they called The Warriors of the Wind. 1980, like, strictly 1980? No, yeah. in, in, 19, in the 1980s. Wow, well, they didn't have HBO so back then either. No, but listen to this. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. Okay, first off, they made it so that the Omo, the Omo, mm -hmm. were evil. They weren't what they were in the movie. They were evil. Then let's make the main character a boy. See, like I told you, no, what, no, as far no, as anime no. filtered through the American eye, they always screened it and altered it to American standards. They never gave the Japanese culture proper credit <coughs> to allowing the film to be in its natural form. They always had to find some way of making it by American standards PG, which always, in my view, screws up the movie. For the they record, should that's, leave that's it alone. That's not anime phenomenon only. That's any literature or media. Yeah, yeah. You, get, yeah. you get from foreign it's American foreign. ignorance and that's what well, burns me the most in that aspect because here's something that I'm pretty sure not a lot of people who grew up in the 80s remember that was one of the few animes to come out and hit the states where you did not have a big propaganda of either A. explosions B. titties or C. a sex scene yes but it was designed as a children's film and they take a, it was a hundred and 21 minute film or 116 and they made it a 95 minute film and and they changed the entire story around to make their own thing now mm -hmm. you would think okay this is it's understandable it's made for American audience dumbed down right what would be the reaction of the creator maybe I'd be pissed off yeah when he when Miyazaki found out he said that well he just said we're done not coming back in the United States you're out of your mind and then later on, a couple of years later, would not have nothing would come back out until 1997, which is one of my which is one actual my favorite Miyazaki film, not the best, but my favorite one came out, Princess Mononoke, Mononoke Hime, mm -hmm. and the deal was that in order they wanted to make some cuts to the film, when they wanted to release it, and Miyazaki sent them no, there's only been one cut. They never they never cut it. Miyazaki sent them a, a message. Sent them a katana with this two words, no cuts. I love Beautiful. Miyazaki. You are my hero. <laughs> and I appreciate him for doing that because you know what? If you write a book, you write an autobiography about your life, and you send it to somebody, and they say, "Oh, this is great," and then all of a sudden they change everything around, 
And you look at the book, it's like, wait a minute, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. That's literal rape. And that's what they did with this movie when they first released it in the States. And, you know, now that they re-released it the way it was supposed to be. It only took them, how many years later, it took them 30 years. Do you blame him? That's a hell of a grudge to hold, but you know what? For your artwork to be altered and raped by another culture? No, I, I don't blame him. He's not the only person to have that happen to him. Oh, me. no, he's that's, not. That's why I feel bad about it. No. I mean, I made the reference to Devilman. I know for a fact you've seen it. Have any... No, sir. No, I haven't. Devil Man, one of the most poetic scenes, and people will argue me about this, one of the most poetic scenes in the entire series was cut out of the original Japanese version because they did not like the fact that it did not fit to the rest of the series. And that was when the uh, two demons, towards the end of the first set of DVDs, if you have the DVD set, kill themselves and unite to become one beast, knowing that it would destroy them and they would only have about four minutes of life left in them to fight Devil Man. Same concept. They wanted to dumb it down and make it more American. They wanted a, a big, burly fight scene. At the time, you had Rambo come out. You had the horror movies, the slasher films. They wanted to make it so that everyone was going to want to beg their moms, their fathers, their friends to go see this. Miyazaki understood that you can't do that with everything. You have to understand that there's some things that need to be left as is. There's a beauty in its own work. It's like reading poetry. You know, not everybody's going to like it, but the people who do appreciate it are the ones you're targeting. And that's and that is the point of this part of our. It's just this was something that should not have been done, and it was done. And the fact is, the film is overall it is a piece. It is a, an art piece. Yes, it, it is. It is a great. Show show piece to show to students to adults. It's a film which you can show to anybody, and it is a good film. It is mm-hmm. long. I'm not gonna lie. So if you have, you know, some people may get very, you know, you, it, they think, oh, it's taking. It takes up at some points. It is very low. It is, you know, not a lot. It's like a good book. It, it's slow at some points. It's fast paced at others. And there are some it, some great just sceneries of just where there is no dialogue. It's just the imagery, and it's just beautiful. It's it just shows just some of the great styles of it. The music is well it's I think this was his first collaboration with Joe Joe Hisashi. I think his first he's done most of his other films. The only one that he didn't do out of the the one that have come after that was uh Arietti and that was because he got a French chick to do it and it was interesting. It wasn't bad though. That's not interesting. That's a smart move. No, no. His no, it music wasn't. is good. Depends on how you look at it. Was she ugly? Kind of. No, Ooh. no, that's not, it's not that. It's she's she's she's, she's decent. It's just that the music. It, it's anyway. Maybe it was just based it's, on it's the style that he wanted, it. and he didn't. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't fit it as well. It's so these other words. Yeah. yeah. Overall, the we watched it in the dub. I've seen both the dub and the sub, and they're both excellent versions. You can watch either or. You know, the sub. Um, there are some differences in the language a little bit. It. Um, some of the characters. It's just their their voices are different, but each version fits. I mean, you have a star, a stellar cast on this. I mean, yeah. s- besides the main lead, who's like Allison Lohman. Sounds uh, familiar. I just can't. Who's in White Oleander and Ma- the girl from Magic Men and Gamer and Drag Me to Hell? That's who she like I said. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, time, I know. I've man. seen Drag Me to Hell. Things, but nothing huge. Yeah, she's more of a television actor. She was on Seventh Heaven and things like that. Crusade. Oh, please don't say that. But besides that, you have 
Patrick Stewart, Uma he's Thurman, you yeah. have uh, yeah, Patrick, Mark Hamill. Yes, you have Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. How do you say his name? Shia LaBeouf. That's actually uh, how you pronounce uh, it. Uh, um, you have you have Adama himself, Edward James Olmos. Something yes. you would not think would be in this film. It, it's one Why? of those. It's one of those films where you hear the voice actors and. I give credit where credit's due because I will be the first to admit this movie was remade too many years later to its proper formatting and fitting. But the voice actors do fit the characters because yes. yet again Miyazaki proved that he can pick his people. Well, no, you well, guys no, did mention the it fact that it was, yes, but it you was know, Lasser. Got, they, they still stay true to what he wanted. Yes, He wants people who, if you, for instance, if you hear my voice now, you're not going to hear me as some. You know, three hundred pound guy, for instance, playing you know Barrett from Final Fantasy VII. I don't have the gruffness in my voice, but at the same time, they're not going to play me as some sixty pound Shoto character who's running around with some other guy from school. You know, they're going to find a position where my voice fits the character, and that's what they did. They I know you guys during the movie did. Position. You guys did question the whole Patrick Stewart. Does it fit with that character or not? I thought he stood out a little too much. Like, I'm not saying he provided a bad performance, but considered with the rest of the cast, I didn't really feel like he fit in that well. He his voice fit the character. I'll give him that. Because character was supposed to be this a, is true. Uh, an accomplished traveling. But was it as far as like are we talking a non-fit as far as Picardish or X-Menish? No, I mean I mean like non-fitting as opposed to like you had Uma Thurman, you have Mark Hamill. I felt like. His voice in itself felt he like... He felt actor-wise. He thank was... Presence-wise, yeah, I can yes. see the strength of the like presence. It's, it's not a bad performance in itself, but combined with everything else, I felt like he could have been It's different. like taking a... He could have dumbed it down. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like taking an A-list actor and putting him in a B-rated movie. I wouldn't yeah. even say a B-rated movie. I'd say just... No, because this is... Straight to video. Comparison-wise, I'm... No, because yeah. he, he yeah. opted for this. He yes. wanted to do this. It wasn't... Because it... Which is, I'm is a, something I would like sometimes to Sometimes I'm not a... I don't watch the special features on a DVD. This one, I watched the majority of them, and watching the actors one, first off, seeing how John Lasseter, he took his time with this. Like, now he's, I'm not going to lie, Ponyo and Arietti, I saw it in theaters. Both of them, I think they really just were like, yeah, we need to get people, we got to get the teeny boppers in, so let's get these famous actors, and they shoved them in the role, and it worked a little bit, but not really. Meanwhile, Arietti, it was just, we're going to try and just get these actors that we can sort of get and see if they'll fit, even though they don't fit. Mm. But this was more like, okay, we want to pick the right actors to do this. We want to convey, because this is his baby. This is Miyazaki's baby. And John Lasseter and Disney did a, this is, they did a tremendous job with this set, with this movie. It just was done, I think it was, even though you have some, some characters who were like, they're kind of wavy, like... 30 years late, too late. It's not thirty years too late. Exactly. I think that this this was for um, it was a perfect cast. I think. It was I a, think. If they I don't think anyone would have done it. It would have been a problem. I think even I with the same know. cast doing it earlier, I think it would have been a problem because they wouldn't have the experience with the voice that they had. No, well, the characters who were who were young who played. I mean, her. I don't think. I think she did a great job as her. I, yeah. I mean, she did sound a little whiny. And this is coming from two guys who love the original Japanese and hate dubbing. Yes, and but on the plus side, this series has the voice of Zenigata again. Gora, Gora Naya as you. Maybe kick you in the chest. Hey, no, no. If he's he if he, if, and he's wearing Green Lantern shirt. And he's, and, and he's play, and he was played by, and he's the same character who was played by Patrick Stewart. Now, what made him crazy? He said, "Ruben." Wait, no, no, no. Wait, no. Wrong, wrong movie. 
I thought he he came off kind of amateurish. Yeah, th- but this well, was, was a years ago. You also have to take into consideration his character is extremely. His, his, he is, he is. But still, so he was he was the weakest link. I would say he was, he was post a weak link. If you take it from an actor perspective, his character is extremely naive. He's a prince who knows nothing about the world. It was like acting wise, I would say it was post Holes, yeah, which was Disney. And he, was, he was still coming out of that Disney yeah. show. So, yeah, was yeah he was still even movie. Steven's boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just—it just like he was but thrown in, but still the role fit him. I mean, mm. I mean, Frank Walker's in the Frank fucking Walker was in this movie. That's amazing. I I think this role probably but he had the, he had the, one of the best characters it is because he was a side character who was hysterical. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and to all of you fans of Cowboy Bebop. They have the old men who do nothing but drink and play. Yeah, that's right. Well, was it? Yes, but they had all three. Oh, that's why I knew that guy. That's why I knew that jackass. Who? Uh, the 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 weasel guy. He's from Fright Night, and he's he was Prince Humperdinck. You shitting me? No, he was Prince Humperdinck. Wow. Humperdinck. He was Humperdinck. Oh, I didn't know that. On a completely odd note or random note. We had a small debate about the fact that the God Warriors, the Giant Warriors, were looked like Ava. Um, you know, it was reference to Ava, which we knew it was, but it was never really explained. And something I just realized now: one of the junior animators in the film, say it, yes, say it, was Hideki Anno, the creator of Evangelion. Ha, motherfucker! Told you, told you they yes. look like Avas. I was not in. Same. No, you said he looked like an angel. It was he's actually it was the it was the one scene. It was only the attack sequence. Not the just that. Nope. It even, says it right there. Just the one. Even when it had that one scene where it was launching that freaking blast from its mouth, it's that's still, the attack sequence. It's the whole thing. It was from Ava. That's from the. Not just that. There's also when they're marching. If you ever watched Evangelion, there is a scene in Evangelion. You will notice it in the Platinum Edition where it has the angels marching on the city. It is the only scene where there is more than four angels at any given time. So those were angels. Those were. Oh God! Why is why does? But still, they're marching in the city, and it's the exact same scene. Wait, the only no. difference is the silhouettes. Why are does black the Mardi Gras come to mind now? Which one came first? Because I have seen a little bit. Of Ava, came, Ava was ninety. Ava was ninety. Yeah. Okay. This came first. Okay. This and this no, because this is when he was a, he was an assistant. This is when he was. <laughs> this is when he was. This is when he was overwhelming growing up. No, no. This is when he was whoring himself out. <laughs> To become a Padwan. <laughs> oh, he's basically. Oh, no, no, you know what? I will not even insult no. him by saying the comment that was I was about to say, and I'm going to keep it quiet. Oh, and um, this is one thing, since some people might say, oh, you didn't even touch up on the fact that it's got a very messianic. It, it does have a very messianic um, issue with the main protagonist and being involved in a prophecy of death and rebirth which has been done in so much literature and so much metaphysical the Mayans did it they predicted it a long time ago no they they they, 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 the Mayans have never have never done it but it's a a it goes into the You're right, whole Mel Gibson did, sorry. No, Mel Gibson's just a... We don't it talk goes, about him, he's a This nut. touches on the prediction mm. of the end of the world. This touches on actual biblical aspects, because if you realize Hello, that... Hello, Mayans! Biblical aspects, because you realize that the warrior of prophecy is Jesus, essentially. He really is. If you pay attention to the big... <laughs> excuse me, depictions... Eyes like olive skins like brown. Well, guys, guys, it, it, guys. It, it, we it touches want, on. I'm just saying. I don't want to get any religious zealots to email oh, no, us no, no, about no. about. Some people say no, it does not say that no, in the Bible. I, it I, says I, I the King James. No, no, no. no I'll, I'll respect that because 
I'll be the first to admit, I myself an atheist. My grandfather is Protestant with the King James. My grandmother's Catholic. It's just that it touches on a lot of things. It has a very powerful story to it as a whole. Yes. And it wants to make sure that, not that it appeases everyone, but it gets its message across to everyone. Yes. For, so overall, this, the with that message and with the way it was, it wasn't even beaten in. It just seemed actually kind of forced. I mean, I mean, it, it foreshadowed it a little bit, but just the end it was just kind of like, ta-da! Yeah, I, I would have liked a little more progression, but I understand it was, it was just kind of like, he had to he had to come up with the because he had to come up with the, the ending on yeah. the fly because he was like okay I'm halfway done now. all right uh, I ran out of basically if it wasn't for the ending the way he said in the message was actually nice and gradual it wasn't forced it, it was just it, it's not subtle forced in my opinion because if you remember they do use foreshadowing because Obama mentions what in, towards the beginning the prophecy so they, he still leads up to it he just didn't know how to bring it all together yeah actually I wouldn't even call it forced I would make it more, I would call it more awareness. Yeah, of saying, look, kind of we could end that. up like this. The ending was forced, but ever, throughout the whole movie, it wasn't forced. It was more of an awareness kind of a look, and that's what I would say. Yeah, it was just too. it was just we had to take care of the planet. If we destroy it, we can't we can't just destroy yeah. we and can't it, just destroy everything. We do there are ways around it. The Earth does take care of itself, and yeah, like it, one of the biggest points they touched on: don't burn the forest. I mean, it, it's like having that one idiot standing next to you with the big red button that says do not touch and him going I want to push it <laughs> no but it's no you have everybody mm-hmm. thinking that you want to burn down the forest get rid of the spores and everybody keeps saying don't do it no they say, no, they say get rid of the spores burn the spores but don't burn it all down they say oh you do it little by little you don't do it all at once yeah you know it's do, gradual do what's needed is the point don't go over what is necessary exactly yes exactly uh, and so, well, because humanity is always, always tends to do things so big and dramatic. No, it's it's it was very well. Anyway, I'm just gonna go straight into it. So, as usual, since it's the month of uh, Studio Ghibli, most films are either really good and, and with the exception of one, which we if we do roll, well, that one is gonna be uh, <laughs> well, we're gonna well that one's gonna be fun to bash. But we're not gonna really give you a review or a rating because generally they're gonna be at least a five or higher. We can't really give high ratings. So we're going to just kind of give our final impressions about the movie overall. So what did you overall Baz think about just the film in general? Great message as far as awareness to the planet. Ending wise rushed not to the fault of the man that made it. It's just public eye. Wanted to see it out there. I would have me personally I would have actually said you know what finish it off the way you wanted to and then leave the American view out of it let it be in its original Japanese form, present it the way it's supposed to be, not the way somebody else interprets it, because that spoils it all. Aside from that, I thought the movie was pretty damn good. Uh, personally, I think that hell, cinematography and everything for the time that it came out was fantastic. Storyline-wise, it was phenomenal. I would have liked for it to touch more neat manga than it did, but you can only do so much with what you're given. It's like giving a man a pair of broken shoes. He's going to walk them dry. He's going to walk them until they fall off, but he can only walk so far in them. They gave him enough rope, and he did what he could with what he did, and it still came out fantastic. Um, I think it's a beautifully constructed film, and I think the messages it, it uh, portrays or sends to you are as timeless as the film itself. But at the same time, this isn't a film I would actually buy. This is just me personally. I think it is a great film. I just doesn't really speak to me. 
But at the same time, if my friends want to see it in the theaters, I, I wouldn't be against it. Okay. Yeah. And as for me, well, one, I had an opportunity to see it in theaters, and unfortunately I couldn't because I was a moron, and it ended up having the car accident, which, is, which we've mentioned earlier. If I hadn't had that accident, I would have definitely have gone to the city to see this in theaters because they had it. And you would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for those sniveling kids. It was a setup. But, but the point is that this film is one of those films that you heard about when well, I, when I first heard about Nausicaa. It was something just people would just talk about saying, "Man, I know you like Mononoke, but you gotta watch this one, Nausicaa." And this was a time when you had to get the third gen bootlegs. You couldn't go on to a torrent site and just download it. You had to look for it and strive and search for it. And I found bits and pieces of it. I found some guy who said he had it and he had it. Actually, it was Totoro. And eventually, over time, I was able to actually see this movie. And when I saw it, I had to admit, because I, I was just like, I was not, did not know what to expect. But when I saw it, I saw just this whole just mythology that was just born so well. It was just a uh, entirely sculpted universe that just it wasn't one of these ones where it's like okay we're going to explain everything from this point to this point it was just like you're dropped in the universe and here you go and it's a beautiful universe it's just so you could literally just pause it in, a, in any given scene and it's even if it's just a scene of the omu shell or it's a scene of something being attacked or a scene of just one of the planes that Miyazaki works tirelessly to get every nut, every bolt. There are just images that you could actually see just taking it out and framing it. Just have it on your wall. It's See, that's the thing I would have to agree with NG over here is the fact that it's the kind of movie where you would enjoy watching it, but as far as owning it, it's like, well... It depends on... It, it, if you appreciate the artwork that he's done with other great. movies... That would be a collect great collector's item. Yeah. If you're just there to watch it, it's like, okay, it's a great movie. However, I'm not, like you said, I'm not connecting to it, but I know where the message is going from. Great movie, but so something I wouldn't know. Something I have to, to uh, expand upon on what you said. I, I remember watching this one scene where I don't remember what happened, but they went through a bunch of trees, and it got knocked down and ripped to shreds. And I just watched that, and there was no scene there where it was just copied and pasted. It was actually an entire scene of what the trees would actually do if it were in real life. And that, that happened throughout the entire film, just crucial yeah. attention to detail. Yeah, there was uh, immense attention to detail, and everything was original. And that's the thing, is if some people may not get it, it's but that's generally the case of a lot of Miyazaki films. It's just like, you have to be able to pace it and go with it. And there's no fault if you're not able to, you know, if, if you feel that you don't like it, hey, more power to you, understand it. You know, no, just uh, like I said, you know, no, it's not, you're a fan of it, and you would keep it under your collection as a movie that I'd probably grab, or it's where you appreciate what he did. It was a good film. It's worth. It's just something that I would want to see once, and then maybe a couple of months later down the yeah, road, or tell somebody else, hey, you, you know, if you're into this, uh, his work, did you see this yet? No, well, you got to check this out. Yeah, it's actually it's really good. It's a watch, complimentary yeah. film. Yeah, you but can you watch can't it. Repeat it you over can, and over. You can't. Yeah, you can't watch it over and over again. But this is a movie like. Some people have it where they'll watch um, Seven Samurai once a year, or they'll watch Lord of the Rings once a year, or they'll watch. Don't I know you hate, but just follow me. Or they watch, you know, Ten Commandments once a year. This is that type of movie where you can appreciate watching it once a year. You're not going to watch it every single day, but it's a movie yeah. where you watch it yeah. like and I you said, appreciate it's, it's it. It's his greatest standalone. This is one voice. of those things you can't sit and watch over and over and over again. Because I know many of people who can watch some of his other movies. 
Like me personally, I loved Spirit Away. The first time I watched it, I will admit I was biased to it because there was a lot of people telling me, oh, it's great, it's great, it's great, it's great, it's great. And I've been burnt by people saying that before when I went to see it. And I'm one of the few people who did see it when it was released in theaters as Three no times. name. I wonder something because... So it's one of those that you can honestly sit with your kids, your grandkids. You can watch it once, twice. Hell, you may even do it on Earth Day because of the message from it. It's just one of those that's like, wow, a great story. And then the next time you watch it, it's still, wow, great story. And this is a film, like I guess, a long story short for me, I'll say this. It's a film you have to definitely check out. You get on Netflix. It's a film which definitely, you, if you have a chance, get it once. Just see it, watch it, love it. I would double dip on some of these, like there's some I'm missing. Uh, but, like I said, if you have a chance, you can go to any website, find them. I would say get them, even if you're never going to watch them again. It's one. But anyway, point is we're, we're kind of running out of time. We're running out of steam. So... Thank you guys for listening to our ramblings and our rantings. Remember, you can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spyrocket.com. You can email us at at gmail.com. All the rest of the information are still shown us. And so let's get to that part where we're we talking about that one. That only. Dodecahedron. Of Doom! No, that's that's for next week. Okay. Of movies. And we have some interesting titles for the for the this the fourth and final and uh, so let's see what we're reviewing the next episode of the Spark and movie review and I really want to just see if number nine so the next episode of the Spark and movie review we're going to be reviewing actually two films we're going to do well so that's it for this episode of the Spark and movie review as usual I usually put uh, quotes at the end of the episode we say our favorite quotes but I'm just going to put a string of the different ones in here Shigo palms are sending out their afternoon spores. It's so beautiful. It's hard to believe these spores could kill me. Five minutes without a mask and I'd be dead. Nasheka, what are you doing here? This chamber is filled with toxic plants. I collected the spores and grew them down here myself. Don't worry, the plants aren't poisonous. They're not poisonous? It's true, the air is pure in here. But I know these plants from the jungle. These are some of the most lethal. I irrigated this chamber using water drawn from deep underground by the castle windmill. I use soil drawn from there as well. I found that with clean water and soil, the plants from the toxic jungle aren't poisonous. All the poison is in the soil. Even the topsoil in our valley is polluted. 
understand who could have polluted the entire Earth. You discovered this all on your own? Yes. I was hoping to find a cure for Father's illness. But... <sighs> it's too late now. I'm shutting down. I've already cut off the water. Soon these plants will wither and die. You're letting me go? Yes, granted that you drown the giant warrior in the acid lake and then return to your kingdom. You have very few soldiers left in the valley. We could easily defeat your forces now, but I see no point in further killing. The warrior can't be drowned or destroyed, and until it walks on its own, it can't be moved. Don't you understand? It's too late. There's no turning back now. I was ordered to attack Pedrite because we feared another kingdom would get a hold of the warrior's power. Once its existence is known, all the remaining kingdoms will send their armies here to claim it. You really only have one choice, Lord Yupa. Revive the giant warrior, use it to repel the invading kingdoms, and learn to live with the monster. Look. <gasps> An insect did that? That's right, and whatever lucky man becomes my husband will see worse than that. The insects must be stopped. You must revive the warrior and use it to destroy them and their jungle. Steal it from us as we stole it from Pedjite. That's what I'd do if I were you. They're getting away! Send out all the tanks! She's alive. That dream didn't last long. You're hiding! As usual, bad saying bye. Rufus! New guy. And this is your host Zahn for the Spark and Movie Review, and we are done. We'll catch you next time. And remember, eat your vegetables and hope you had a good week. And avoid all my.
災に覆われ巨大生物オウムが支配する滅亡寸前の未来世界清らかな風の吹く風の谷に心優しい少女ナウシカがいた人類は残り少ない資源を争って戦い合いそのためにオウムの力を利用しようとしていた巨大生物オウムが支配する滅亡寸前の未来世界清らかな風の吹く風の谷に心優しい少女ナウシカがいた人類は残り少ない資源を争って戦い合いそのためにオウムの力を利用しようとしていた愛し合う人
オウムを怒らせないでオウムが怒ると世界は滅びる全てを慈しむナウシカの愛と勇気が燃え上がる詩純な愛と冒険にあふれたスペクタクルロマン「風の谷のナウシカ」。